Hey guys, welcome to the Tech People Podcast. My name is Ken Coyne. I'm your host and founder, as well as head of technology at Office Talent. I believe at the heart of any success story are the people who made it happen. Diversity, creativity, and innovation, when nurtured in people, can lead to an unbeatable formula. I created this podcast to share the experiences of some truly inspirational leaders on their journey to success. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome back to Tech People. This is your host, Ken speaking. As you know, I speak to a lot of CX leaders every week. I often hear the same challenges, especially in relation to implementing new technologies. Therefore, I was delighted to meet Ben Gardner, Senior Director of Support at Drift. He has kindly agreed to come on the podcast and share his recent experience of implementing a new ticketing system in CX, where his company moved from Zendesk to Salesforce. We will talk about his, pro- his approach, some of the challenges and solutions, and what he would have done differently if he had known what he knows now. So welcome to the show, Ben. Thanks, Ken. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. No, thank you. I, I think this is really what it is for me on the podcast is just sharing other people's experiences so we can all learn from them and use them ourselves in our own day-to-day life. But before we get into the main topic, could you please talk a bit about yourself, who you are, what your current role is? Yeah. So uh, right now, I am the Senior Director of Support here at Drift. I oversee our customer support function as well as our self-serve, including help documentation and things like product support webinars. I've been doing this here at Drift for two and a half years. And at my last company, I was there for close to five, all of it in the SaaS space. So I've been in the customer experience kind of area for close to eight years in the SaaS industry. But prior to that, I was also a high school math teacher and also in retail service. So I've dealt with working with people and trying to you know understand them and make sure that they walk away with the right solution for quite a long time. Cool. Big change in career. What made you make that move? If you don't mind uh, asking. Yeah, no problem. Definitely a big change. Uh, so for me... I really enjoyed teaching, connecting with the students, and it was something that was really rewarding to see them, you know, learn and understand a topic. But you know, honestly, I will say it's a lot different than what it was. I hate to say the phrase back in my day, just teaching math and understanding it. I really enjoyed the concept when I was going through it and how you learned it. But you know, looking at kind of some of the things that we were doing and the way that it was working, it it just wasn't what I wanted to do. So I knew that I also liked the coaching and developing aspects. So I looked at getting into SaaS as a chance to become a a leader and a manager so that I could kind of help people and do the same thing, but just work with adults rather than students. (laughs) Awesome. Very cool. So listen, you you guys, you recently moved from Zendesk to Salesforce. I believe Zendesk, it's a good system. What made you make this change? So yeah, Zendesk honestly is a really good system. I know that a lot of companies out there use it. There wouldn't be such a big platform out there if it wasn't you know, a working solution. For us, we were having challenges with reporting with a lot of us. Our information, our source of truth was Salesforce from a CRM platform. And we had everything from you know our marketing automation platforms also feeding information in there. So eventually that becomes your central hub. And so we had data in there, such as customer contract dates, what service plan they're on, you know, different things from hours, operations that weren't quite always accurately pushing into Zendesk. And so we wanted to change things to figure out like how could we have something that integrates better. 
Um, okay. But also from a ability standpoint for the other customer teams, so not just support, but CSMs to be able to understand what was happening for their customers. It just wasn't quite syncing back and forth the way that we liked. Okay. And just before we get into the whole approach of the implementation, I mean, was it a big sell for you to get, you know, the buy-in to move from Zendesk to Salesforce? It wasn't because there were quite a few challenges that people had experienced before I even got here because, you know, Drift was using Zendesk for quite a while. And I had experience because the actual last company that I worked for was they had built a CRM and ticketing platform. So I had an understanding of what the potential was, what information was out there. And so I was able to showcase that. So I didn't have too much trouble with the buy-in, but I also kind of talked through, you know, it was going to be a better experience if the data was better, the customer experience was better. So no matter what, you know, it's like we were moving in that right direction. So it was easier to get that buy-in from the rest of the company. Cool. So it's a win-win. So tell me, talk to me about, you know, okay, you made a decision to go ahead with Salesforce. So how did you go about implementing the system? Yeah. So I'd probably start before that, you know, when we were evaluating solutions, um, like I said, a lot of it had to deal with data integrity, uh, making sure that we had the right information. And that's, you know, when we landed on Salesforce and looked at it, that it was going to be the best for all teams, customer support and customer success. And so, you know, when we were going through that process, we actually talked to our our sales team over there and discussed our options, which were do a self-implementation, talk and work through a partner or consultant and have them do an implementation. And we sat through and understood how long it was going to take and kind of what those, you know, challenges would be and the cost of it there. But we actually went with door number three, which was hire somebody whose sole purpose was going to be to manage our Salesforce service cloud implementation and system moving forward. Because the way that we looked at it was if you just go through a consultant, they can definitely help you get set up. But then you're going to have to take that over from them. From a cost perspective, we looked at, well, if we hire someone who's going to do this full time, then we can go ahead and have that as be part of that cost that we were planning for with a consultant anyways. And so we started interviewing and hired somebody to just do the whole project for us and work with our operations team. Okay, brilliant. And in terms of the whole process overview, did you have to review and change a lot of existing processes for the new system? Or how did you approach that? So first thing we did was we sat down and we evaluated what were we currently doing in Zendesk, what reports were there, what process flows and teams were in there, tried to map out everything we could. And then the idea was mimic everything as closely as possible in Salesforce because you want the idea that your team doesn't have to adjust too much. They might have to learn through a new platform, but you don't want them to change their entire flow and process. So we tried to do everything from how they you know, worked tickets, how they looked through their current caseload or what was out there in the queue to be worked. So that was the idea. And I'm going to say that. And right now I'm doing air quotes because when we get to the idea of like some of the challenges, um, it didn't quite work out the way that we had planned, but we were trying to do it in that fashion. Okay, right. That's really interesting. Well, let's get into it. I mean, talk to us about some of the challenges you guys faced. Yeah. So I think for us, no one had ever migrated from one system to another. So they didn't understand, you know, what are some of the questions you should be asking. So when we mapped out what someone's day looked like or how they were using the system, we didn't ask everyone all the way down to the front lines exactly what they were doing shadow kind of record exactly what their day-to-day looked like and we ended up missing a lot of stuff in between 
we missed some of the behavior that they were expecting to be able to do that they couldn't do in the new system, such as, you know, let's say simple things as being able to add a, a macro in Zendesk, you can have a save template that you just put in there and it sends, you know, a, a message with, a, you know, save your time. You don't have to en- uh, enter all this text. Oh, yes. And in Salesforce, we just didn't start from day one with the ability to do that. We eventually added it later, but it was one of those things where we were so focused on the actual process of doing things and not asking, you know, what are the tools that you use today that make your job easier? Like, what are the other things inside of Zendesk? Not just how do you work a ticket and process this and do that? We were, we were very much focused on what we thought from an operations and a leadership perspective needed to be done and didn't have anyone focused exclusively on the user experience for our own internal users. Uh-huh. Yeah. So how would you, I mean, if, if you're doing that over again, how would you approach it differently? So I would probably, now that I've had a direct working relationship with our design team from our product side, I would take that same approach and have somebody work from a design aspect and scope out what that would look like, what the potential solutions are for the team to, to use so that we could get their feedback, just like we would a customer, just like we would for user research and just get that idea of, what do you think about this? What are your thoughts? What's you know missing? And I will say that what I learned through this process is if you ask specific questions, you're going to get specific answers. And so you're not going to find those little nuggets of information that are right there, but you didn't ask the right question. Whereas if you just show somebody a screen and start to get their input and opinion and just let them free flow, you get a lot more information from your team than you would just saying like, is this the right process? Well, that's a yes or no question. So you're not going to get much more than that. <laughs> Very interesting. I mean, actually, it's interesting there. Were you on tight timelines with this? I mean, as it was like the first phase, analyzing the process, and the implementation, go live. Were you under pressure with timescales? So we were because our contract ended in April. Okay. And we officially got access to the system in October through partnering with Salesforce. They gave us early access so that we could start putting some of the pieces in place. But we set an internal deadline of trying to get everything migrated by February 1st, because we wanted a transition period to see, did it work? Did it not work? Do we have to do an immediate rollback? Or do we need to just get into the old system and get access to stuff? Because we weren't just actually migrating the ticketing system. We had to migrate our knowledge base, which happened a little bit you know, after that. We kind of kept the two systems up at that point. But the deadline itself was that April 1st, we knew that it was go, no go. Like we had to figure that out from that contract. And so we did that earlier. And that's why I'd say releasing it in a rushed period of time and having only that few months, if we had a little bit longer, we probably would have had more feedback from the team, you know, kind of gone through that and uh, had less challenges. And, you know, to highlight that, I'd just be clear, you know, with everyone is the impact to your team. We do a quarterly net promoter score for our employees. And that was one of the roughest scores we had ever gotten. And it was directly related to the rough release for the actual people using the system. And I totally understand their side. And it was something where if if I knew now what I... Or if I knew then what I know now, then I wouldn't have had such a bad experience for my team going oh. through that. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. And tell me about... Um... Did you use, was it all standard functionality of the system or did you have to customize it? So we actually had to do some customization. And part of that was our chat platform is our own product, Drift. So we had to build 
some integrations between the two systems there and then partner with our product team because we wanted their support in kind of building that integration and that piece together. So that was not just the operations team. That was also our actual product dev working on some of those things. We also had to figure out from the integration between Salesforce and Jira, because that's what our product team used. Like We had to build some, some things there because we had some workflows that were important for us to make sure we stayed on top of things. And I will say Salesforce is a very robust system and you can do a lot. They have their app exchange where you can buy a lot of things as well so that you can kind of build these connectors and do these different pieces. But I would say that you know every company is going to have their own specific criteria, their own specific processes. So we ended up building a lot of the pieces ourselves because we wanted to make sure it worked for what our flow was instead of adjusting a flow. Right. And that's, did that impact your budget a lot or was it kind of planned? It was planned. So that hire that we did that was directly in instead of going through the you know consultancy side of things, that's where that budget came in. I think the if I'm going to look at like a, a cost, the cost was time because going through and having us build these integrations or build these flows took longer than it would to be to buy something out of the box that you know that you could change some processes and kind of work things around and you know maybe the experience is a little different but the cost was actually in time just how long did it take us to get some of these things going okay and you, you spoke there about migration um, and the knowledge management was the migration was that a big challenge moving from obviously one system to another system so I definitely would say it was a challenge from a knowledge management portion, just because there wasn't a connector that was just, you know, input your information here and it pushes it over there. So there was actually, there was actually a lot of copying and pasting and then editing formats by moving into the the new knowledge base. And we had to keep the old system in place for any customers who landed on that URL. We want, we didn't want to change their experience and then work with our web team so that they would actually build out redirects for our top traffic articles. Because again, we wanted the, any customer who ended up on an older page, we didn't want them to just go to a new Salesforce knowledge-based search page and not know what's happening. So we had to plan out every scenario from what happens if they you know click this link, well, we want them to go to the new help doc. If it is not like a, a page that we work on a lot. We're not going to take the time to you know migrate or redirect every URL. So we had to build a landing page that says you know something along the line of "Oops, you know we you, it looks like you landed on our help center. We migrated. Just search your term right here." Some general message, uh, but you had to start thinking of every possible scenario instead of just "Well, we'll just do this." And if they ask a question. We'll figure it out because at that point I knew, and this is I'd say from a, a support leader perspective, that you would have a lot of customers asking and saying, Your system's broken, what's happening? And I wanted to avoid even more customers coming in just to ask a question about where was a help doc. Well, and did you did you have to communicate at any time? I mean, about that, that you're going through a transition or did it yeah. kind of go smooth in that regard? So we communicated ahead of time to all of our customers. And what we did was we sent out emails to them. Let them know about the changes. We let them know from our marketing team, you know, here's exactly what's happening and why we're doing that. And explaining to them that, you know, moving to a new system is going to allow us to support them and serve them better. So just so that they understood we're not just doing something, you know, willy-nilly like that. Um, <laughs> but then we also had to, we put messaging inside of our own application. We put messaging on 
the existing help docs kind of a, a little splash page. And then we also messaged the entire company. That way, if a, a sales team member had a question from a customer, they can answer it. CSMs can answer it so that everyone knew what was happening and they weren't caught off guard in any way. Well, a lot of planning involved in that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How about some of the, were there some other challenges that you guys faced? Yeah, I would say, you know, when I was talking earlier about if we had more time to get things done, it was, you know, talking to the team and asking them for, you know, here's what we are going to be able to do day one, you know, letting them know exactly the limitations in the system, but that it was going to scale and get better. We didn't do that. You know, we, we had them test things out. We said, we are going to migrate at this point. And the handful of people who tested it out, they were testing exactly, like I said earlier, what we wanted to know about, like this process flow or clicking that. So they weren't thinking about, well, here are the other things that I normally do that I'm not going to be able to do. So from the very beginning, there was a lot of panic and rush of how do I do this? Well, what about this? Or where is that? And so my management team was putting out fires internally saying, you know, here's what's happening. We're working on that. Or honestly, I don't have an answer to that. Let me get that to the ops team so we can figure it out. So the whole scramble just happened very quickly of we have to have answers to these questions. We have to tell them the process. We have to create, you know, a communications channel for feedback so that they're not just all going to their manager and that manager is then funneling it in. It's you know, let them talk directly to the ops team, let them post their request. And so we didn't do that. And so I would say the adjustment that we made that made it a lot better was having a crystal clear process and letting them know here is where you can provide communication and feedback about what, you know, is working, what is not. Every week, we're going to send out a weekly update on here's the current major projects as well as any other minor things that we made adjustments to. We only shipped these major updates once a week so that they weren't thinking this could happen at any moment. And I would say like I tackled the whole problem head on and I, I had a hour long round table with the entire team to address their concerns about the release, to talk about their feedback on it and openly admit that it wasn't the smoothest launch and that was entirely our fault. It had nothing to do with them. And I would say, you know, the positive outcome of all of that at this point was the next quarter's net promoter score was back to being the highest in the company. So clearly the communication, letting them know that they were heard, addressing their feelings, then putting that plan in place helped fix a lot of those problems. Ben, sounds like, yeah, exactly. And being open and honest about these things, I think always helps an awful lot. And taking action, of course. In terms of the data, so obviously the big aspect is to get, you know, to get good quality out of the data. So I know, I know we mentioned about data migration and changing some of the data. Was there anything else in terms of, you know, maximizing the data now, even in the new system, how you address that, getting better data, better reports? Yeah. So right now, what we've been able to do and impact across multiple departments, I'll start with, you know, a couple of them differently. But the information that we get for our product team now is they understand exactly what that the dollar value is for those customers that are tied to the issues and the types of problems that they have. So that they can understand the impact across you know, the work that they're doing, the time it takes to resolve certain things. Because we're pulling the CRM, the Salesforce information, the sales data for what is that you know, annual contract? What is that value? Is this stuff impacting a renewal? So they can fully understand how to prioritize the work that they're doing. And so we were able to give them this information and then they can fully 
figure out what is it that they need to do. From a support standpoint, those key pieces of information, such as the entitlement that the customer has, are they basic plus or premier? When is their renewal date? What is their health score? So integrating with other systems like Gainsight, all of this stuff feeds right now into Salesforce Service Cloud for our tickets. So when my team opens up a case and they look at it, they can say, this customer has a renewal coming up in two months. They are you know, at a yellow health score. I need to make sure that I address all of these things so I can help the CSM with this account, get them back to green, make sure that we have a healthy renewal. And a lot of that stuff wasn't as present and in their face before because of the way that we had or the difficulties that we had integrating with Zendesk. And I'm not saying it's not possible. There may have been ways, but it wasn't as intuitive. But the thing to me was, this is right there in their normal flow and they don't have to go outside of that. And I think after doing this for eight years, the idea to me, and I fully understand it is if it's not in front of someone, they're not going to be as likely to just proactively go out and search for this stuff. So if you can give them the tools and information, it makes their job a lot easier. So renewal is important to us. So put it in front of the face of your your team. And now it's important to them too. Pretty good. And the discussion, I was just thinking there while you were saying, how did you manage the cases that were in process? So in between the two systems? Oh, that's a very good question. So with that, we built an integration between our old system and the new system. So Zendesk and Salesforce. So when first thing we did was migrate every existing open case into the new platform. Um, we sent out the customers an email communication, letting them know that we made that change and to reply to that message in the new system. And that's where we had sent that. With the hopes being that they would start to reply through our new email connector in Salesforce versus the one in Zendesk. And so we were monitoring everything and having it flow through there. And we transferred everything from the comments, the notes, anything that it was tagged with so that that existed there. But we also had inside of Zendesk, we had alerts and that operations team looking for any updates that took place there in the event that a customer had updated a case somehow in that system so that we could have it automatically update again in Salesforce so that we were trying to drive all that communication there. And so I I would say that was one of the things that did work out well, where they had thought about, funny enough, what they coined the phrase was zombie Zendesk, just keeping it alive and running just enough until we finished the migration. And that seemed to work. When did you actually shut it down? How long after you arrived when you just said, we don't need this anymore? So we officially shut it down if April was our renewal, I want to say right at the end of March. We still had access to it where I was going through and accessing it just for, I would say, older case information that I just wanted to search and kind of bring out so that the team had access to kind of some of those nuggets of knowledge that was there. But realistically, nobody really was entering into Zendesk after mid-March. So we had about a month straight of just working in the new system. Brilliant. How about um, training and sharing knowledge, new system? So we have an enablement team. And I'd say this is where we had to partner directly with them and talk through, here's how we teach people to use Zendesk when they you know get onboarded with the team. We need to recreate that training with Salesforce now. But at the same time, we also need to build this training for all of the current team members to make sure they understood it. So we we had them go through this prior to the launch, but with all the changes that were being made, we scheduled out 
you know, time regularly for them to work together, work with other leaders to have them kind of ask questions to figure out how things were working. And we, we kind of had regular working sessions with them where people were kind of coaching them along the way. I would kind of call it going back to my days as a teacher and kind of looking at school as study hall where you just had the ability to just everyone was collectively there working. So it's kind of on the job training, but at the same time, you're able to ask questions so that you can understand how to use the system. And we have like one person leading that. Okay. Very cool. So I guess now I'm guessing at this stage, the system is quite stable. (laughs) It is. We've actually got it very stable. We're starting to launch new features for our team, just different things such as, the ability to add time tracking to every single case. So that's something that we're working on now. Um, And we should be able to get that launched, I'd say within a month. We built out a direct integration between our Drift platform and Salesforce so our customers could see all of their open cases, kind of like a customer portal inside of our product that was not like the Salesforce community portal, but instead it was our own product. So we were able to do that. And then also kind of working through the team we use a methodology called KCS, so knowledge-centered service or knowledge-centered support. And you know, we've built the ability to have them create new knowledge articles inside of Salesforce while they're working cases. They can tag different articles as relevant and something that solved the problem. So we were able to build all this that we didn't have inside of Zendesk, the way that it was configured, but we were able to build this you know, system and setup inside of Salesforce. Yeah, awesome. Sounds fantastic. And is there any like really exciting functionality that's that's coming down the line? Right now, I would say the things that kind of we talked about with the KCS and the time tracking are the really important things for me. We are looking at having more ways to, how would I say this, send alerts or information to kind of swarm through cases. I know this is a feature that Slack has actually Slack, you know, who was acquired by Salesforce, was working on building out ways that you can kind of swarm and have people communicate and work through the systems that they normally use, such as Slack. There's a lot of questions and dialogue and flow that go through there, but finding ways for that to integrate into Salesforce. Um, so we we looked at it and we should be part of the early release pilot for it so that we can test it out and see how can we have people not have to work inside of this system and also how can you get other people throughout the entire company, such as your engineering team or anyone else who might see that question and can they chime in and answer and that also updates a you know a case so that we can start getting more teams working on things, which will help with the resolution time. Brilliant. Fantastic. Listen, thank you so much. Fantastic insights. Much appreciated. I say a lot it sounds like a many long days. <laughs> Definitely very long days, but I I'm very happy with it. And I will say that from the rest of the company and the information that we started providing, they've already seen the benefit in it. And we're doing a lot of new things from a reporting and sharing information, like I said, for the product team to understand you know, what is the value and benefit in certain things. And so it's something that's gotten buy-in from everyone so far. Brilliant, Ben. Listen, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience with us today. If anyone would like to get in touch with you, what would, would the best way be? They can find me on LinkedIn. So they can find me, uh, Ben Gardner. I want to say that my LinkedIn actually says Drift with Ben is the URL there. So you can come find me there. Feel free. I don't mind if you want to email me directly. Um, you can send it to bgardner at drift.com. And I will say just if you have questions, you just want to chat about anything, I'm more than happy to. 
Ah, thanks, Ben. Much appreciated, Fair. Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks, Ken. Mm-hmm.